Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Roderick Lambert, welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Welcome, welcome. Hi, Katrina. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, rather weird to be on the other side of the <laughs> of the, the, the video link with you, I must say, but I'll do my Absolutely. best. Absolutely. We will explain what that is all about <laughs> in a minute. Anyway, you've jumped into the fold because... My mission with this was to interview hiring managers, so people in the hot seat hiring in the business and and hear their perspective, particularly those brilliant ones who partner with recruiters so well. But I'm finding they're being a little bit elusive. And I was like, okay, so what can I do that's still along that vein that will still be of value to recruiters that they're not currently hearing? And I thought, I know, let's talk about the partnership and how to build that and what's great. So I thought, oh, I know the person. Roderick Lambert's my person. But We'll explain why in a second. Can you give us a bit of background into what it is you do? I mean, obviously we we met in unusual circumstances as well. So sort of fill everyone in on what you do and how you got to where you are, like a career snapshot. Okay, well, (laughs) I'll get to the unusual circumstances as well (laughs) at the end. Uh, Yeah, so uh, basically I I was born in the UK. Um, After university, I moved to uh, the Czech Republic or Czechia, uh, to be with with my the love of my life today, my wife, um, and where I have family from, um, and I sort of got into uh, HR. First of all, I mean, I've always been my professional career has always been in recruitment and HR up until mm-hmm. fairly recently, um, and yeah, I, I started off in a small language school, recruiting teachers, managing them, and then that school grew enormously, and an HR role kind of appeared that I filled. <laughs> Uh, very happy to fill. Uh, so I, I did less, bit more of the less of the recruitment and management, more of this or general HR stuff, and that was kind of the start of my HR career, which led me to um, multinational corporation, uh, yeah. a finance group called Societe Generale, where I became the local HR director for the insurance company there. Um, and yeah, and there again, my career continued. Went after four years, I was kind of zone HR director for the uh, EMEA uh, mm-hmm. region for the insurance division. And then I moved into the local, the big local bank here, 7,500 employees, uh, pretty big by uh, wow. standards as an HR business partner. So, yep. so when it comes to partnering, hiring managers mm-hmm. and recruitment, I've been, I've been recruiting. I've been that middleman as HR business partner. I've been yep. a manager myself. Uh, and I've worked with dozens of uh, CEOs and, and C-suites and board of directors, uh, members of the board, rather, um, uh, in all aspects, of course, of their leadership and management uh, and organizational development. But, of course, in particular, um, working as that uh, middle piece between hiring manager and internal recruitment team or even external headhunting yeah. team. So, 
until recently. Uh, and then... Yes, and then there was a change. And then there was a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I reached my kind of midlife, uh, midlife self-reflecting <laughs> piece. And I don't want to use the word crisis because it wasn't a crisis, but it, it, was, it was becoming one for sure. Yep. Turned 40, adopted my beautiful son. Uh, I'm sorry, 40 is not midlife. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the start, perhaps. It's no, one of those no. miles. I've decided my next birthday is midlife. <laughs> well, now that I'm 46 and a half, I, I would agree with you. But <laughs> what, I've, what I've experienced myself, I certainly would say that uh, that there's still plenty of years left to me in yeah. me, for sure. Um, and, yeah, so uh, I decided basically that I couldn't be a good husband, father, HR, business partner, um, mm-hmm. you know, just couldn't keep it up. And what's more... Uh, what's more, uh, the the purpose was to create value for the shareholders. And uh, uh, I decided that that wasn't really what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I mean, it was pretty good no. for the first 20 years, worked well. Um, but um, that midlife kind of questioning, is it worth it? Mm. So, so I did a lot of uh, soul searching, discussions with my wife, reading, listening to podcasts, etc., and realize that actually purpose, you can grab your own purpose because actually yes. we as humans only have one and that's to evolve in the evolutionary process. Otherwise, it's up to us. Um, and, and yeah, so I decided that uh, my purpose wasn't going to be found in the corporate walls and the structures. Mm-hmm. I decided after a long time to quit, quit yeah. the job um, and fell into coaching because that was the one part of the HR function, business partner function that I, I enjoyed. People tended to think I was good at it, even though I know now that what I was do- what I was doing then wasn't really coaching, more like consultancy. Yeah. Um, did a year's uh, a transformational course where not only did I learn how to be a good coach, but I also did a sort of personal transformation. Yeah. And today, that's what I do. Yeah. And that's it's funny you say you fell into it. Into Because yeah. if you actually go back to the beginning, you fell into HR. Yeah. Which is unusual because people used to choose HR and fall into recruitment. Okay. <laughs> but you said, oh, yeah, I was in recruitment and then the HR evolves that it appeared in the company. And then you felt that's interesting. That, that's a lot. That's very true. A lot, of, a lot of my colleagues in that kind of generalist or business partner role came from mm-hmm. uh, external recruitment, for instance, agencies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess that kind of would seem a logical step. And I, I fell yeah. into HR generalist from... Yeah. <laughs> Falling into recruiting <laughs> native English speaker teachers, uh, yeah. who studied a music degree. So you know, I mean, it's pretty yes. amazing. <laughs> yes, which unfortunately, unless you like, like, you have to be the best of the best, don't you? So, and of course, I met you at Disrupt HR Prague. Well, it was actually a different event. Actually, uh, I'm not oh. sure you were at Disrupt HR, but um, you were. You were you no, know, it was it was a it was a seminar by Tatiana. <gasps> so it was, of course. HR art, it was called. And you, That's you were, right. Uh, oh, my goodness. Sorry, Tatiana. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we chatted. I was there to network. Um, She's since run that. That's right. You're That's absolutely right. right. Yeah. Yes. And, of course, the big thing is now you're my coach. Right. <laughs> Which is so exciting. Unusual. So no, no boozy evenings in a bar, I'm afraid. It was no. an HR networking uh, <laughs> event. But it was a great bad. fun event. A great fun event. But I love having you as my coach. And it's funny because we've been, oh gosh, how long has it been now? It's over a year, isn't over it? Year, 14, 15 months. And I quite regularly will turn up to the session with absolutely no idea what I need from the session, but I always come out with exactly what I needed, which is the bit I love because you just have this ability to just ask me the right questions. 
But of course, that comes to today's sort of topic that I want to allude to is because you're really listening, aren't you? But you call it something else. I call it power listening. Which I love. Okay. Uh, Sounds nicer than active listening. (laughs) Yeah, active listening is a bit of a cliche, I think. It's now used. Uh, And it also suggests you have to be active. And and actually, power listening is more about various techniques you can use um, that that, uh, you can use them consciously and learn Mm. them as a habit, even though we are actually already evolutionarily equipped to do them. Uh, but active listening suggests you have to sort of take an active role. And actually, power listening is, is more or less the opposite. Um, coaches will have heard uh, of the three stages, the three levels of, of, of listening, which is basically what this, this is all about. And uh, absolutely. And uh, you talked, you know, you don't know what you're going to talk about. And, no. And, but it's because- I'm sure many people turn up with proper problems. I just turn up going, oh, I wonder what it'll be today. <laughs> and it's always mind blowing. <laughs> you seem to gather my like chaos that's going on out there and, and bring it all into this, <laughs> make sense of it. <laughs> that is again, essentially what a coach does, draws out the sense. Yeah. And he does that by participating in what, what my, my trainer called Dominic, um, mm. he called it the coaching dance. And uh, when you're yeah. dancing, you have to be very aware of your partner's body. I'm a useless dancer, mm. I should point out. My wife right. could tell you how bad I am. But, um, but, <laughs> Too left uh, feet. <laughs> but, but you actually learn on a coaching course um, how to actually, how to actually uh, the techniques required and the mindset required for active listening. But perhaps yeah. maybe, I don't know, if you want to say why it's important for your topic well, of partnership. I was just thinking though, when I was go- like doing, see what the podcast people can't see is me doing hand gesture of like crazy arms in the air, <laughs> shaking around going, all these ideas I have going on in my head and you make sense of it. But actually when you think about, and I really realized this when I was writing the Robot Proof Recruiter and I always say to people, chapter five is the crux of that entire book, which I completely crowdsourced. Um, and it's all about the intake strategy session, which is the most important part of the whole recruitment process, which is pretty well taking my hands in the air going nuts and taking all of the hiring manager's information and getting it down on paper Mm. correctly Mm. so that you can partner with them properly to fill the role. So I thought you might be able to share some tips and tricks and stuff about, like, how do you do that? How do you get that? Right. (laughs) I'm still making hand gestures. The only problem with this being a podcast. <laughs> yes, no, I I also you miss my arms. Anyone who's seen me speak knows my arms do a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, first of all, I should say I wasn't particularly good at it when I was in HR, I must say. <laughs> uh, it's something I realise now. But, um, uh, yeah, you said get all the ideas from the manager's head onto paper and draw kind of sense from mm-hmm. it. And I would say that that's where powerlessing comes in so is so important because very often the manager has some sort of idea, but you don't know what's behind it. And actually, when you can get mm. unravel the layers, um, then you actually get to something much more important for your recruitment strategy or your recruitment uh, commission uh, uh, that they actually want to give you. Um, but the question is, how do you do that? Because, you know, you've got an Outlook meeting, one hour is sort of standard, isn't it? Yeah, automatic default. If you're lucky um, to get an hour out of them, well, exactly. <laughs> there's not some job description they wrote three years ago that's in the bottom drawer that they just pull that and shove at you. Well, yeah. there you go. Job description. <laughs> I mean, geez. Uh, yeah, no. It's, it's, always, 
that's a very good example because the job description often misses out the yep. most important substance actually of what the mm. person you're looking for is unfortunately um, <laughs> yeah and, and so the you know, meeting's been three times postponed and then you get in you're in a rush here panic he's in a rush and a panic something's yep. going on um and basically it's kind of seen as um technical meeting if you like basically yeah. i will transmit my ideas to the hr partner or the yeah. recruiting partner um as the manager hiring manager and they will go and execute like a program okay yes and also that that's that out of balance they think that hr or recruitment is a service mm. not a partner right as well that's again hand true. gestures going on here where i'm trying to show balance of scales yeah, yeah. No, maybe back. I need to take this to video. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't show you, Katrina. I, no, I, I this is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, and that comes back, of course, to bite you in in the bum later when yeah. you say HR hasn't delivered, you know, recruitment mm. hasn't delivered um, because they see it as a service. You know, and you might have mm. SLA. I mean, that's yeah. not a partnership if it's an SLA, isn't it? Yeah, so no. I dictate, you act. But, um, yeah, I mean, the point, going back to the, the, the active listening or the power listening is that it's all actually about rapport, building an understanding of the other person mm. uh, and creating the bonds. I mean, I've got the definition up here of rapport. A relationship characterized by agreement, mutual understanding or empathy that makes communication possible or easy. All right. So mm. who wouldn't want to have easy, easy. communication uh, with mutual understanding in a relationship characterized by agreement? And hand on heart, how many of those relationships actually meet that definition? So, yeah. so my kind of tip would be your goal as well, hiring manager, but also more often, I guess, the, the onus is on the, the HR part, whether recruitment or, or, or business partner, mm. is to aim to build that rapport. Yeah. Um, because we do business with people. I mean, in the end, he's from finance or she's from finance and you're from HR mm. uh, or recruitment. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, silos define these barriers. But in the yeah. end, it's human to human. And everybody's experienced how with one hiring manager, it's far easier and constructive to work yeah. than with another. Mm. Okay, so That's so- why um, in the mastermind, I include like influencing and things like that. And we go through like different, um, different styles and like have quite a lot of fun with it, really, mm. like uncovering our own styles and then looking at other people's styles to see exactly what you're saying. Because it's like understanding how, because you do have to get them on side, don't you? No matter their personality, you need to get to that ease of communication you just mentioned. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, again, this is my kind of coaching cap on. I'm hearing uh, influence and get them on site. It's, oh, yeah. It's a little bit that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? That's a little bit <laughs> you call it power listening, is it not fighting? Power <laughs> listening is, is not manipulation, actually. Oh, okay. It can no, be used to I didn't manipulate. mean manipulate. <laughs> It's a very strong, strong power to have, but it can yeah. be, and it can be used to manipulate, just like any strong. Yeah, no, I didn't mean it that way. Strong, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to get to that relationship characterized yeah. by agreement and mutual understanding, okay. Mm. And and while it takes two to tango, one person has to start it off. So yeah, so yeah, so so perhaps the question is then, uh, you know, what does it what does it um, achieve, and how do you do it? Okay. Mm. I mean, we're just cut to the chase and then how would you do it? And, and there are techniques that you could, you can actually consciously do, yeah. learn to do and make habitual. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, there's about four or five I could describe, but I mean, one, one very simple one, you can start trying out 
even after you've listened to this, this podcast, uh, is uh, what I call the three monkeys. It's basically yeah. um, the uh, physical mirroring, mm-hmm. or physical, physical and tone of voice and use of language yeah. that the other person is using. And, and mm. you know, I'm afraid the pubs are still closed, at least in this part of the world, and back in the UK. <laughs> yeah. No, outside. Outside. Well, be outside. You know, well, enjoy a freedom uh, pint and just observe mm. the people around you. And you'll probably mm. see people naturally mimic, mimicking, mirroring uh, yeah. what other people are, you know, as they talk. Uh, and it's, it's, it's something evolution. That's how we, we discover when we meet, mm. met someone in, from a different tribe many, many tens of thousands of years ago. Um, you know, that's how we connected. There are even mm. uh, neural sensors behind the eyes that uh, observe the thousands of muscles in our face that are moving mm. all the time based on our emotions, etc. So, actually, I love that. I love the one you shared as well to get. So, say so you can't do it at the pub, <laughs> but getting people to sit back on video chats as well. So you could see more body language right, to help mirroring. Right, exactly. And that that, that's something you've mentioned. Because we're all, of course, online these days, and it makes mm. it much harder, I have to say. Um, but um, what uh, that is about is because in the end, um, mm. only a, like 7% of our message is is verbal. Yeah. Okay. It's the words we say. And, and sometimes the words we don't say. Or right, well, that's, uh, that's the paraverbal which is yeah. another, I don't know, 15% or something uh, yeah. or 20% of, of the message. And that's yeah. what we're not saying. And that's the tone of voice we're using, the speed. Um, uh, and then you've got, of course, the body language, which is mm-hmm. actually, you know, something like over 50% of the whole message. You talk about waving hands. and Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's so, missing that. Yeah. yeah. And the gestures, <laughs> all of that. So, yeah. That's why, you ask, you know, if you can sit, ask them to have a better view of more of mm. what they're doing, you're going to get more feedback. Mm. Um, and and this is maybe just to tie it into our coaching sessions, is, is what I'm doing. I'm observing not just the things you're saying, but how you're saying them and what you look like yeah. when you're saying them. And that can be really powerful to, to see what's going yeah, on there. You often will notice when I have a sharp intake of breath or I, like you'll say something and it hits a nerve and I'm like, <gasps> and I'll, uh, and you always notice it. You never miss it. And I guess it's the same when you're trying to get that information from a hiring leader. It's really noticing that as well. Like where they speed up and they're a bit more excited, I guess, or where they slow down or, you know, if they look a bit bored or, I don't know, is that the sort of stuff they'd be looking for? All that sort of stuff. And you say get the information. I would say allow it to be revealed. <laughs> because the other thing that this does. You keep picking on me for saying that. Like, yeah, that's probably that Australian. Just get on with it. Give me the information. <laughs> Give me what I need. <laughs> well, getting that, that's maybe, you know, it's true. Two people it's very try direct. To get something from each other. Yeah. And, and when you abandon that mindset, mm. then actually you, you, you get more. Um, you okay. reveal more. And, and if you can pick up on that with your hiring manager, for instance, and notice these moments, and we are, first of all, you are creating, you are visibly showing empathy. Yes makes the other person feel at ease mm. okay no one's going to reveal actually i need this person to be like this because in our team we've got this uh toxic guy so uh, <laughs> uh we need uh we need this person you know, i mean he's not necessarily going to say because who's going to in an mm. unsafe space admit that in their team they've got a troublemaker but once okay. you've created and that guy feels or he she uh feels at ease in that 
conversation with you, then they're much more like, and you can pick up on it and you're, you're reflecting their feelings, then they're much more likely to come out with that very important bit of information for you to hire the right person. So from what you're saying, it's almost like going into the conversation thinking I'm here to discover rather than get, what can I find out? It's like, oh, I wonder what this will be about. So a bit more curious and a bit more light and then mirroring. So if you're mirroring their tone of voice and their behaviour, they're going to start feeling relaxed. It it actually, the neuron sensors behind the eyes actually pick up on that. And, you know, the hormonal changes then, et cetera, emotional, it it, it actually biochemically uh, works. And you you came to the curiosity, exactly. Oh, yeah, I love a bit of curiosity. The curiosity. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, we we, we, we are sort of, we're we're kind of somehow educated and trained to to ask uh, closed questions. We want a quick Mm. answer, yes, no. Uh, it's very quick and efficient, but it mm. leads, it, it stops discovery. Mm. Uh, whereas an open question that doesn't have a yes, no answer actually, and, you know, recruiters should be able to let you know about this because they use it in their interviews, I would like to think, because you get more, you get, you reveal, discover more about the candidate yeah. than simply, have you done this? Yes, no. Yeah. Um, so I know um, um, Steve Levy mentions in my book things like uh, like what problem are you coming in to solve or what problem are they coming in to solve, mm. and then you end up with a whole load of information just by a what question rather than as you're saying the yes no right exactly so so how uh, you know how questions um, uh, mm. are very good ones um, when. Um, be careful with why. Yeah, why is it a harsh one, isn't it? People get a bit defensive, don't they? Absolutely, because we tend to think of why as being um, uh, in, in uh, what's the word? Um, interrogatory, as that word? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, 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 what, what, with a with a judgment uh, call behind it. Okay, it's like a trick be- question. Do you think that's because, and you know this with little kids, when when we're little and we go, why, 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 and we get told to shush, do you think it stems from that? Maybe it stems from maybe, that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's possible, is it? See, there goes my curiosity. I can't help myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no psychologist. I just apply psychological you know, uh, yeah. techniques rather than actually getting behind what's one, but there could well be, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so uh, open questions. Um, yeah. How did the meeting go is far better than did the meeting go well. Um, yes. You're going to find out much more about that uh, uh, with, a, you know, how did the meeting go. Um, yeah. And uh, the other thing is also uh, checking, uh, checking comprehension. So repeating mm. back, summarizing, repeating back um, to the other person. So, uh, this is what I'm hearing. You know, I'm hearing yeah. that, da, da, da. And that's, again, if you're hitting the right notes, the yeah. other person thinks, this this person understands me. Mm. This is my friend. Um, it's funny, that one, because one of the things I've noticed with the recruiters coming through my mastermind is that they develop that almost fearlessness of asking that question. Now, I know it sounds strange, but mm. to, to repeat back, because the hiring manager say it's a technical role, you know, we might say, oh, they need X, Y, Z technology and the recruiter doesn't really get it, but feels like they should know the answer already, even though they're not a technical person and they don't do the job. And it almost takes a little bit of gumption to just say, right, okay, so I've, I've heard that, is that correct? Or to query and say, I don't understand. Can you help me with that? Right. Are there any tips for... Is that still what questions, I guess? 
<laughs> but with that, just feeling safe enough to answer that back. Oh, sorry, so repeat it back. Repeat well, uh, repeating back. Uh, as I said, it kind of if you're if you've got it right and you've summarised it silly, succinctly mm. and, and and accurately, then the person's going to say, "Yeah, this person really understands me." Yeah. And if you're getting it wrong, it's a chance to make sure that there's no misunderstanding. Yeah. I mean, how many meetings have ended and one or both parties have gone away and said, "Actually, what does he mean by that?" You know? Yes. Um, and and as recruiters, we should not be ending that way. We should be ending with, I understand exactly what I'm doing here. The hiring manager knows what I'm doing here. Right. Yeah, right. so a it's important. predictable, safe uh, mm. relationship as well. So, yeah. And also you're demonstrating a certain vulnerability, which which yes. stimulates vulnerability um, in, in others, you know. Uh, yeah. And I think there is that, that, again, going to the fearlessness, that fear to be vulnerable, that fear to, oh, well, I should already show that. But of course you can't know, and that's... I just think it's so important to do what you're saying, repeat it back and yeah. and just see. Because again, vulnerability doesn't hurt. And it's been interesting that that word has been a common thread through the interviews through this podcast so far. Mm-hmm. About the really good leaders are quite vulnerable and they're not afraid to go, I don't know. Right, right. Well, well yeah. <laughs> quite I mean, nice. Uh, we're talking about the power listening, which which I do a workshop on, but I also do. Yeah. I, did, I, I haven't got a workshop on it, but uh, on, on the human skills of leadership. And one of them mm. is creating. Uh, a safe space and the first thing a leader can do to create a space is to demonstrate his his or her own vulnerability um okay tell us how you get them to do that no don't <laughs> where can they find out about that do you, you have a website don't you oh I, I don't, i'm on linkedin basis oh yeah let's talk about linkedin you definitely want to have a look <laughs> but if anybody wants, you know, that I, I did a webinar a year ago uh, about this and it, I recorded it. So anybody wants the recordings, I'm happy to, to send them the recordings to the six uh, human skills that every leader should have in a COVID, at the time COVID, yeah. these days post-COVID um, uh, environment. Um, and that was all... very optimistic there, Roderick, post-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Roderick's somewhere... decided, yay! <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful? Legacy, I know. Perhaps, of working from distance as well yeah yeah and I do think going you know going back to that importance of that the power listening when you're doing that though what if you are hearing the hiring managers really resisting flexible working and things like that is that again just to ask them more questions to get beyond what the fear is of because I feel like a lot of recruiters are going to come against that kind of question going forward because at the yeah. moment it's fine everyone can work wherever they want but there are companies out there being a bit silly about where people are going to work going forward well one thing's the company and what is a company it's it's a body mm. of human beings and that's mm. kind of uh, generally uh influenced strong the higher up in the mm. uh, in the org chart the the yeah. the the uh stronger that influence and and it's it's pretty hard to to do something about that one person lower down mm. the food chain um but uh if it's you know one particular manager and i dealt with this on many occasion uh badly probably uh, <laughs> is, is that they the particular manager you know the mindset is if they're not mm. if i can't see the work they're not working yeah presentation behind that is kind of this uh image that without them the team would not be functioning. And mm-hmm. that you're going in, if you're going to be uh, you know, inquiring about that, be prepared because you are going right into the heart of their ego, into the heart of their own self-image. Uh, um, 
and uh, that, that feeling of self-worth. So you're getting into pretty uh, uh, awkward territory. So that's why yeah. that rapport and that relationship has to be so uh, strong mm. um, and safe and yeah. Uh, meaningful empathy. I can't remember now what was in the definition. Yeah. You certainly wouldn't want to sort of hit it with, why do they have to work Ooh. in the office? Whereas actually you're right. If you've done all of that at the beginning yeah. and built that great rapport, and that probably take time before you get to the point where you can query them on that, then you yeah. can say like, what is it about the right. working from home that sort of is concerned for you and very gently prize it out of them. But you're right. Once they've got the safety. Yeah, and I'm not really sure what to advise in that situation, except that it it will depend very much on Mm. the level of trusting and mutual understanding that you have with the relationship with that with that manager. And of course, you're you're sailing against the 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 wind a bit if the corporate message is one of now Mm. restrictions are over, back to the office, everybody. Mm. Um, Be interesting to see what happens to those companies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we will see. I, They're definitely not see. power listening to their staff. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's for sure. Mm. But I did love the image you, that you showed me because, again, no one could see a podcast um, with the, the almost like the fists. Yeah. That's where, you know, if, if you don't want it to be everyone's coming in against each other. Well, that, that's so often when two people meet. And it doesn't matter mm. what departments they're in or, you know, even the, the, the kind of the, the company and the customer um, mm. is is the idea that I have to get my agenda cro- across. I yeah. have to tick the boxes at the end of this meeting and that's all that counts. And it's that will work short term. You can win mm. short term, but it creates this me against them or yeah. them against me uh, 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 um, uh, atmosphere. And then you're in the realm of basically survival of the fittest or, you know, the, 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 the mm. winner takes all. Um and that's not going to help create a relationship. There's going to be one who's going to feel uh, they've won, the other feels they lost, and no one likes losing. Do they? Yeah. Um, so, again, if you come in with the curious mindset, with this uh, idea that you're going to unravel and discover. <laughs> discover. Then, then, not get people, not get, discover. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, then then you're going to avoid this, this loggerhead, this yeah. confrontational, transactional, uh, uh, bond that, that will arise from that. Yes, I think when you go in with that place of curiosity, you are going to ask better questions because you're just going to naturally be feeling more playful, aren't you? Abs- absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting, and it's funny because if you hadn't mirrored back to me my language, I wouldn't have picked up how actually quite aggressive I was being with that. So. I'll have to definitely get you to read the next book through just to make sure I'm not being aggressive in my tone. Anyway, <laughs> Roderick Lambert, obviously I know where she gets you. I think, believe I have another coaching session booked with you shortly. Um, but if people want to find you, LinkedIn is the easiest. Yep, Roderick um, Lambert on LinkedIn. Um, yes, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, that's where you'll find me uh, Quite regularly. the quickest and easiest. Yeah. Yes, quite regularly it's talking about coaching, but also nutrition, I've, not- I've noticed. Indeed, I, I've, I've pivoted a little bit uh, because the second aha moment, apart from realizing that there's no deep, meaningful purpose, at least for me, in, in mm. creating value for the shareholder, was that I don't have time to look after. I look mm. after my career, and I try to look after my family. I don't try to look after myself, and I'm getting ill. And uh, yeah. I got was you know getting to the stage where I, I was starting to have problems. My one doctor called, said 
metabolic illness. The first time I'd ever heard of this oh, wow. metabolic syndrome and uh, even said, you know, that I might, you know, might be on my way to my first heart attack. You know, mm. and, and so I studied that quite a lot. Again, I'm that thinking, researching type yeah. and uh, discovered that actually everything we believed and were taught and heard from our doctors or from Absolutely. Is the guidelines about how we should be eating is, is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Cut to today. I applied what I learned to myself in six months, lost 20 kilograms. That was two years ago. I'm still uh, around 72 kilograms for my 179 centimeters. Wow. Healthy. All my problems have gone. Energy yep. and enthusiasm. So I realized I can help other people Others. in that corporate world. Yeah. And you don't have to spend every day in the gym. Which it's is great. the best part, to be fair. <laughs> exactly. I love a dog walk, but it don't make me go to the gym. <laughs> You don't have to go to the gym, Katrina. I must admit, I was quite shocked. You know, having known, I've only known you slim. So when I saw that photo, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> so, but I love the, I love the fact it can be incorporated into what they're doing. And I agree. I just think it's all we need to be healthy in all the areas of our life. And it's often it's in balance. So, Absolutely. thank you so much for those pearls of wisdom. As ever, whenever I do these podcasts, I learn so much. I'm so loving it. So it's wonderful. Um, so thank you again, particularly as you did jump in quite last minute. <laughs> and I threw curveball questions at you as ever. So Roderick Lambert, thank you so much. Katrina, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time. Thank you. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.